Praise the Lord. This is Brother Phil with another edition of Speaking the Truth in Love. You know, speaking the truth is the most loving thing you can do. It was Jesus Christ who said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The Apostle Paul asks the question, Have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? My dear friend, it's truth that sets you free. And because I love you, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth about Islam, the truth about Muhammad, the truth about Jesus. You can be wrong about a lot of things, but if you're wrong about the doctrine of who Jesus is and who Muhammad is and how a person is saved, how a person actually gets into heaven, you're wrong enough to spend eternity separated from God in a real place called hell. So please, I beg you, listen carefully to today's broadcast. Your eternal destiny may be hanging in the balance. May God give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you are saying. Amen. Here's today's broadcast. I'm looking at a photograph of a beautiful young Christian girl who has just been beheaded by a gang of six rampaging, machete-wielding Muslim radicals. Her bloody body is lying on an autopsy table. A few inches to the left of her torso lies her severed head, nestled in a bunched-up black plastic trash bag. Delicate features, lovely dark hair matted with blood, eyes closed, her face appears sad and almost serene, prompting one to reflect on the incomprehensible brutality and terror she must have experienced. Two other teenage girls, both Christian, were also decapitated during the same October 29th massacre on the Indonesian island of Sulawesi. The Muslim men, all dressed in black, savagely attacked the 16- to 19-year-old girls with machetes as they walked across a coca plantation on their way to the private Christian school they attended. Their heads were found some distance from the bodies, the head of one girl discarded mockingly in the front of a Christian church. This scene, with all its attendant horror, is being duplicated all over the world, from Israel to India, from Russia to the Philippines, from Sudan to the Balkans, and right on to the heart of Europe, with massive Muslim rioting in France and the terrorist train bombing in Spain, plus the subway bombings in London, and of course the 9-11 attacks in America that killed 3,000. Violent Islamic Jihad, dormant for centuries, is once again on the move worldwide. For Americans, largely ignorant of world history, Islamic radicalism mysteriously appeared on their television screens for the first time on September 11, 2001, and has dominated our national security concerns ever since. But for those more familiar with the major forces shaping world events, the violent spread of Islam is recognized as one of the most important geopolitical forces in the last 14 centuries, one that has touched 
millions and perhaps billions of lives. Humanly speaking, I would prefer to leave this subject alone, but my spirit is deeply troubled. The Bible is not silent about this issue. The founder of Islam did not come on the scene until 600 years after Christ. 2,000 years ago, Jesus said in John chapter 16, beginning in verse 2, Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you, that when the time comes you may render, you may remember that I told you of them. My friend, this day, this scripture is being fulfilled in your hearing. In Matthew 24, Jesus said, But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. What did Jesus mean? What's wrong with eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage? Absolutely nothing. Jesus' point was that just like in the days of Noah, what was the day of Noah? A worldwide catastrophe where millions of people died. Jesus said, just as in the days of Noah, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. That is speaking of the day of His return in glory. When He comes not on a donkey as the Redeemer, when He comes back on a stallion as Judge so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For in the days before the flood they were eating, drinking, and marrying, and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. What he means is that they failed to discern the signs of the times. Listen to what Tony Blair said. Here's a man who fails to discern the signs of the times. Tony Blair said, Islam is a force for good. George Bush, only days after September 11, 2001, said, Islam is a peaceful religion. My friend, the truth of the matter is, Islam has never been and never will be benign. Muhammad received his so-called revelations from what he referred to as an angel of light, and that is what led to the writing of the Quran. Six hundred years before Muhammad was even born, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, the Spirit of the living God writes, And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light, Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their works. In my booklet, Comparing Islam with Christianity, I document the fact that Islam has reversed each and every one of the Ten Commandments. Yet in the last ten years, Islam has grown 500% worldwide. While it is only fair to say that most Muslims are not violent, 
Surveys now show that as much as 20% are the radical, fanatical variety. The fact of the matter is it's 20% that are the faithful variety, and the rest are Muslims in name only. Do the math. With a billion Muslims on this planet, if 20% are the radical, fanatical, faithful variety, that means there are 200 million satanically inspired, demon-possessed psychopaths running around this world who are dedicated to one thing, taking over the world for Islam with the sword and by blood. The vast majority of terrorism today worldwide is carried carried out not by radical, fanatical Muslims, but by the faithful Muslims who are willing to die, or should I say, willing to murder for the cause. Islam is fueled by religious hatred. 123 times in the Quran incites the, incites the faithful to murder infidels wherever you find them. Quote, take not the Jews and Christians as friends. Slay the idolaters wherever you find them. Besiege them and prepare for them each an ambush. And for this, they are promised paradise. Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, said, love your enemies. And Muhammad said, murder them, dismember them, and crucify them. My friend, they both cannot be right. One of these men is right, and the other one is wrong. Do you have any idea who holds the record, the world record for the most murders? Is it communism? Is it Satanism? What is it? For the last 1,400 years, Islam can now claim 127 million dead. 127 million people have been murdered worldwide under the name Jihad for Islam. That's more than World War I and World War II put together. And in John 8.44, we know who the murderer is. John 8.44 says, Jesus speaking, you are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Fueled by religious hatred, mullahs tell the faithful that the goal of the U.S. is to subjugate Islam and take over the world for democracy and Christianity. Jihad, holy war, is their sacred duty. My friend, jihad means self-struggle. That is exactly what Mein Kampf means, the book that was written by Adolf Hitler. It means my struggle. And what is it that they are struggling against? The Jew and the Christian. Hitler convinced Germany that all of its problems were because of the Jew. The Islamic world is convinced of the same thing. They believe it is their sacred duty to wipe Israel off the map and take over the United States. In the 1930s, Hitler told the German people that a war would result in the extermination of the Jewish race in Europe. This was their final solution. What we have today is nothing more and nothing less than a revived Nazi Germany, only this one is far more dangerous. Because these people, rather than following a man called the Fuhrer, actually think they are serving God by murdering 
unbelievers or those who refuse to accept Islam. I'm reminded of what Napoleon once said. Napoleon said, I know men, and I tell you that Jesus Christ is no mere man. Between him and every other person, there's no possible term of comparison. Caesar, Alexander, Charlemagne, and I have all founded empires. But on what did we base our genius? Upon force. Jesus Christ founded his empire on love, and today millions are willing to die for him. Jesus Christ never forced anybody to do anything. His empire is based on love. Muhammad and the Muslims force people to believe in Islam by threat of death. They both cannot be divinely inspired. One of them is correct, and the other one is dead wrong. The fanatical Muslims and Adolf Hitler both agreed that no ideology can exist beyond theirs. It is all-encompassing. 3,000 years ago, in Psalm 83, the psalmist said, The psalmist prophesied of these days, With cunning they conspire against your people, that is, God's people. They plot against those you cherish. Come, they say, let us destroy them as a nation, that the name of Israel be remembered no more. The president of Iran, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, actually believes that he is the forerunner for the 12th Imam, also known as the Mahdi. The Mahdi is believed to be a direct descendant of Muhammad. Last fall, when Ahmadinejad spoke at the United Nations, he concluded his speech by calling upon the arrival of the Mahdi. Ahmadinejad is praying for the Antichrist to come. Last fall, when he spoke at the UN, he concluded his speech with a prayer. He said, Almighty Lord, I pray to you to hasten the emergence of your last repository, the promised one, that perfect and pure human being, the one that will fill this world with justice and peace. What he means by justice and peace is the death of all those who refuse to submit to Islam. In a November 2005 speech in Tehran, Ahmadinejad said that the main mission of his government was to pave the way for the glorious reappearing of Imam Mahdi. May God hasten his reappearance, he said. Do you have any idea what he means by that? He actually believes that he will hasten the reappearance of this man through chaos and war. Thousands of years before this man was born, God said he hates violence. Furthermore, Ahmadinejad claims to prophesy that the imam will appear in two years. Isn't that interesting? That timetable is also when he will have, God forbid, a nuclear weapon capable of hitting Tel Aviv. One question you might wonder about is why? Why is there so much hatred toward Israel and the Jews? 600 years before Muhammad was born in the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verse 22, Jesus said, You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. God's end-time plan for the nations is to show himself to be God through the salvation of Israel. The prophet Zechariah, in chapter 12, verse 3, said, And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all peoples. 
all who would heave it away will surely be cut in pieces, though all nations of the earth are gathered against it. Do you understand that? Do you realize that the Bible predicted thousands of years ago that the last war of this world would be fought over Jerusalem? In Zechariah chapter 14, it says, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming. And by the way, that word Lord is Y-H-W-H in Hebrew, yud vav or Yahweh, the eternal self-existent one, the name Allah never appears anywhere in all of the Bible, Old and New Testament. The Bible says, Behold, the day of Yahweh is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem, and then Yahweh will go forth and fight against those nations as He fights in the day of battle. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north and half toward the south. The prophet Joel, in chapter 3, verse 2, I will gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, and I will enter into judgment with them there on account of my people, my heritage, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations. They have also divided up my land. God's plan of salvation is intimately tied to the salvation of the nation of Israel and the Jew. In the book of Ezekiel, written more than 2,500 years ago, in Ezekiel chapter 36, God said through the prophet, And I will sanctify my great name which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst, and the nations shall know that I am the Lord. I am Yahweh, says Yahweh Elohim, when I am hallowed in you before their eyes. For I will take you, that is speaking of the Jews, from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into your own land. My friend, that is the word of the Lord you would have a better chance of pulling down the sun and the moon and the stars than defeating the nation of Israel because this battle, just like between David and Goliath, belongs to the Lord. Listen to the words of Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 24, in Mark 13, and in Luke 21, Jesus said, When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near, and I am at the very doors. My friend, he is not coming as an assistant to Muhammad. He is coming as the Lord of glory. And the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. That means Muhammad will bow down before the Lord of glory and he will confess that Jesus is the Lord. My friend, you don't have to guess if the Bible is true or not. Because the Bible is filled with prophecy. 
And God says that the reason that he wrote prophecy, the reason God pre-wrote history and put it in a book, is so finite men could read his book and know they were reading the word of the living God. God said these things were written that the nations may know, not guess, not wonder, not doubt, that the nations may know that I am the eternal, self-existent one, and there is no God besides me. In Isaiah 40, 41, 42, 43, and 44, God the Almighty eternal self-existent one said, I am the first and I am the last and besides me there is no God. Only I can declare the end from the beginning. Only the true and the living God can tell you how this world began. Only the true and the living God can tell you how this world will end. And only the true and the living God can tell you the most significant events that will happen in between so that you could know that you serve the right God. God says there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Mashiach, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. My friend, you have been lied to. You have been lied to about Jesus. You've been lied to about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. How could a mortal man who has never seen God say that God, who can do anything, how can a mortal man say that God cannot be in heaven and come to earth as a man so he could communicate with his people and be in the, in the entire universe all at the same time? How can a mortal man say God cannot do that? That has been Satan's method of operation from the beginning, going all the way back to the book of Genesis. When God told Adam and Eve they could eat of any tree in the garden freely, but not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for the day that they did, they would die. And Satan comes along and says, Is that what God said? Is that what God really meant? The same thing happened in the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 4. Satan, again, in the beginning of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament, God reveals Satan's method of operation. He questions the word and the accuracy and the legitimacy of what God has already revealed. Six hundred years after Jesus ascended to heaven, eyewitnesses told us in the New Testament that it was Jesus Christ that died on the cross. And 600 years later, Muhammad comes along and says, it wasn't Jesus on the cross, it was Judas on the cross. I would ask you, my friend, how is it that the Quran says that Jesus was sinless, that Jesus was born of a virgin, that he lived a noble and a pure life, and yet the Quran also says that Muhammad had to ask God for forgiveness? fact of the matter is Satan is a liar and a murderer and has been from the beginning. And you have been lied to about the Bible, about God, about Jesus, and about salvation. My friend, have you ever told a lie? Do you know that it only, that Revelation chapter 21 says, all liars will have their place in the lake of fire and brimstone, which is the second death. 
do you realize that Jesus said, you've heard that it was said, thou shalt not murder. But I say unto you, if you're even angry with your brother, you're guilty of murder. He's talking about unforgiveness. Do you realize that the Bible says that no adulterer shall enter the kingdom of God, that the, sixth, the seventh commandment is thou shalt not commit adultery, but Jesus said if you even look upon a woman to lust after her, you have committed adultery already in your heart. How are you possibly going to be forgiven for your sins? You have been told as a Muslim that if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, or if you murder an infidel, that you may be forgiven by God. My dear friend, what could you possibly do that would impress a perfectly holy God? Do you realize that if God overlooked one sin, if justice, if the price wasn't paid for even one sin, for God to forgive you, that he would be unjust and guilty of sin himself? Why do you think you're dying? Why do you think you're aging? Why do you think everybody that's been born dies? The Bible clearly says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that all men have sinned and come short of God's perfectly holy standard. All men. There is no man who's ever lived, who has ever lived a perfectly sinless life with one exception. And that was Jesus Christ. All other men have sinned and come short of the glory, the perfect standard of perfect obedience and sinless perfection represented by God Himself. All men have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Do you know why you're aging? Do you know why you're dying? Because you have sinned. Because you've broken every one of the Ten Commandments. If you've broken one, you're guilty of breaking all of them, the Bible says. That is why you are dying. That is why all men die. And in order for a Savior to save you, he'd have to have no sin of his own and die in your place. That is exactly what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you. You have been lied to. The devil has lied to you. God provided a perfect Savior a lamb without spot and without blemish, with no sin. He was born of a virgin. He was born without sin. He lived a perfectly sinless life, and he sacrificed himself on the cross so that you could be forgiven for your sin if you would simply identify yourself by believing and loving the Lord Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, so that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We love God because He first loved us. We know God. When Jesus taught the disciples to pray, He said, Our Father, who art in heaven, holy be Thy name. 
The Bible says in 1 John, these things were written that you might know that you have eternal life. Muhammad had no assurance of salvation whatsoever. Muhammad said, I do not know what Allah will do to me. My friend, my time is up. If you would like to know more, I would be happy to send you a booklet comparing Islam with Christianity. Write to me and ask me for it. I'll send it to you. Write to Telling the Truth in Love. 61300 South Ironwood Road. South Bend, I-N, 46614. Write to Speaking the Truth in Love. 61300 South Ironwood Road. South Bend, I-N, 46614. USA. God bless you. Thank you for listening. I pray that you would be reconciled unto God. Ask Him to forgive you. In Jesus' name.